Welcome into another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager at Second City Hockey. You can find me on Twitter at dmelt57. We're a little late getting to you this week, and we had to reshuffle the lineup a little bit, but we've got a full room here, and uh, we, we've got some stuff to talk about. Not exactly the most uh, eventful part of the hockey calendar, but it's about to be uh, pretty soon here. So we, we've got some stuff. we got some line mates, and let's bring them all in. Up first... On Twitter at Mill182, and he is the second city hockey. What Wheeler Yuta is to the Blackpool Combat Club, it's Mill Savage. I'm our whipping boy. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm I, just I, kidding. I, I like Wheeler Yuta. I just feel bad for the poor guy. Uh, he's, he's always taking the, the big hits, I feel like. I I messed up with that. I meant to, I, I meant to look up other uh, good wrestling stables to throw you into and completely forgot about it. Even after our well, conversation last night at uh, at Dynamite, so it's quite all right. I appreciate the the wrestling reference. We're gonna that, start a new list here. That's good. Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll do wrestling stables, and then I don't know. We'll find. Well, I'll throw you on some random like vintage hockey lines or something. Like we're we're just gonna put you everywhere. If we really want to put Betsy to sleep, it'll be pitching rotations. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Because I know wrestling's a good start for that, but <laughs> but we can get real nerdy here. Uh huh. Yes. Yes, we certainly can. Uh, we might as well wake her up. Uh, uh, she, uh, you haven't heard her voice yet. You're about to. Uh, she's not on Twitter, but she's at secondcityhockey.com under the name LBR, where she is the Second City Hockey Bull and Wall of Text, and in full for, uh, full effect this week with some of the lengthy draft profiles we've had at the website. It's Betsy. You had to reclaim my my title. I think yeah. Ray was trying to try to come for it in the comments. And I was like, I don't think so. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, for those, a little, little peek behind the curtain, like Betsy will put together extremely lengthy articles. And I think one of them was like 6,500 this week. And I, I come from a newspaper background where the longest I get to write is 750, 750. And then Betsy's putting together 6,000 word articles. There's a lot I, of copy. At least this time. I was like, that's a lot. Um, it was exciting. I There were some prospects that I wasn't quite as familiar with. So, um, like, in the vague sense, you know what they are. But you doing deep dives like that is just interesting. Yeah, like, there's plenty of prospects. You know their names, but you may not necessarily know the, the toolkit or why they are projected to be first or second rounders or whatever until you actually, like, look into it. Yeah, and you... Getting like so, you you read all the stuff obviously because there are people that are better experts than I am, and then you go watch the videos to be like, oh, I see that, or oh, I see something slightly different. That's always like the most interesting part of that. I don't I don't claim to be an expert, but I will give my unexpert opinion. <laughs> mm-hmm. There you go. Uh, well, if you uh, visit secondcityhockey.com at any point this week, there are a ton of draft profiles. Tons of names, tons of stuff. Betsy put it all together. It's very well done. Uh, go check it out if you're looking to get some more information on some of the players who could be drafted by the Hawks or somewhere else next week. Uh, also with us this evening, official podcast introduction still yet to be determined. It's Eric Eggenheimer. I'm working on it. I, th- I think I'll have it in a couple of weeks. Okay. I think we're. I, I think I might have said this already. I think I'm just going to keep pushing it back uh, in per, uh, perpetuity, and you're, that's just going to be it. 
your your intro will be podcast intros to be determined. I think I'm just going to leave it there for a while. See how it goes. Yeah. How about Eric? Not quite Thursday. (laughs) I don't know. Sometimes my back hurts. <laughs> that's that's, that's Eric almost thousand. Are you almost are you six six? I don't think you're six six. No, I'm not six six. Six foot. What if you're on really tall skates? Um. Yeah. We'll, let's let's give it a shot. We'll see. Okay. So that's that's the group for this evening. Um. We don't have. Well, I guess where we could start because last time we talked was two weeks ago, and the Stanley Cup was still happening. Uh, it's over now. Uh, we assume Shea might still be trying to figure out how to get William Carlson down that flight of stairs he fell. So Shea's probably still celebrating somewhere. So congratulations to Shea if you're listening to this. Um, did anybody have any burning thoughts on the end of the Stanley Cup final? Because uh, like, I'm sure Vegas and all of their fans found it very entertaining, but it was kind of like it was kind of a dud, especially game five, the way they just blew the doors off of uh, the Panthers. Yeah, I didn't watch a whole ton of the final um, just because I, I was traveling for some of it, but it just felt very kind of anticlimactic. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, Florida was like the nice story. I, you know, I, I forgot and I was reminded multiple times that Vegas was the one seed of the West. Um, but, yes. you know, Florida kind of took the headlines. They became the overwhelming story and, you know, Kachuk was everywhere for a while. So it felt like it was going to be some type of, you know, uh, coronation for him or coronation for them, but Vegas just did kind of what they did the entire playoffs and just kind of took it to you and didn't stop. And, you know, congratulations to them. The thing that's uh, lingered a little bit that I, I've forgotten about until we started talking right now is just the insanely long list of injuries that were coming out. Like obviously Matt Kachuk missed game five because he fractured his sternum, which yeah. He played a game and he I, he played game four with that, right? Yes, he did. Yeah. How? Like that's like, I, that's like when you found out Patrice Bergeron had a rib broken that that punctured his lung. And when they got him to the hospital, it was like more than halfway deflated. He played a game with a deflated lung. Yeah, I like I, at some point, I, I appreciate the uh, the willingness to forgo pain and try to win but there's also an element of uh like the long-term damage they're going to do to themselves first and the other part of it is like if you can't breathe how good of a hockey player are you going to be or if you're um, matt kachuk in a similar case because i imagine a fractured sternum has to cause some sort of pain in the breathing process as well like Racco Gudish had a bunch of injuries. Aaron Eckblad, I think every limb had some sort of detached tendon. Like at some point you're like your body was going to betray you and it's better. But they could have thrown an old buddy Lucas Carlson in for one of those guys. But well, I mean, they did get blown out in the one game that if we were just talking about it was a blowout in the one game that he, Matthew sat out was the yeah. blowout. So, I mean, it's kind <laughs> of like a. The the Boston series, um, Hosa sat out one game. Ben Smith came in, and it was because that was when Hosa couldn't feel like his leg. Like, yeah. He had like a he had like a nerve, he had nerve damage or something. And the Blackhawks lost that game, and Hosa came back in and played two more. Right? I think it was something like that. Yeah, I think they lost game three. And yeah, they lost uh, that one with Ben Smith at Boston. Yeah. Yeah, so like you're talking about like the best pl- like the best players on a team and putting in somebody else 
that's just a body, they're going to lose. There's a good chance. I mean, Florida's going to lose anyway. And, but you take out a Hosa and put in a Ben Smith, of course, that's not going to be as good. You take out a, you know, Ekblad and put in a Carlson. It's not going to be, that's not the same. What about Racco Gooders? He's not so good. Yeah, but I, I, (laughs) I don't know. I yeah. think that too, especially talking about like that Boston Chicago series, the margin, it's like so razor thin, yeah. the deeper you get that sometimes even just that, like just the threat of that player is enough to make like a significant difference, even if they're only at, you know, 75% or 60% or whatever it is. It's yeah. funny. because There weren't that many injuries that came out of Vegas. Um, I don't think there were really any major ones right like they were, <laughs> they were they haven't had him yet because they just been drinking profusely for the last, last well, it was week. just just every single goalie that's ever been in their system were yeah. all they all oh, took off so like the curse <laughs> yeah dr- drummer from spinal tap they all exploded well, except for I, aiden hill it's like florida took the, the toughest journey that you could think of you know to get there versus vegas that went through winnipeg it was not like nothing i was like going through like tissue paper um (laughs) (laughs) that's mean but that's that poor vegas like that jets team was not i know mill was like i hope they're i just want them to be good one time well Uh, to to be fair vegas did blow some leads against them and play kind of sloppy yeah i mean yeah of course vegas they should have beat them the way they beat florida yeah, that's like saying the the Blackhawks beat Minnesota. Like they didn't play their best against Minnesota, and they still rolled them. Uh, well, because it's year. Minnesota in the playoffs. Yeah, and it's like the Jets in the playoffs. Like I mean, <laughs> this this Jets. Look, we had a lot of injuries. Okay, I'm not playing the Jets on the show. Um, <laughs> and I don't. The Oilers aren't exactly. They've Good. they've obviously they're top heavy, but they're not exactly uh, Carolina. Or even Toronto. <laughs> um, and then the Stars were their biggest, like, like competition. And even that felt very, like, it was going to happen and it didn't feel like that rough. Um, versus Florida, which felt like they were getting banged up by everybody. So, And then it comes out that half their team was, like, being held together by tape. So yeah. I think that. As I was hearing all these injuries that came pouring out of Florida, it was more of like um, flashing back to the Hawks and like just thinking how in general lucky they got with their cup runs that like, you know, like Hosa missed a game here and there. Like Heath got suspended. I think Taves and Kane had their injuries like Taves like may not have played in a game seven against the Flyers if there was one because he messed up his knee. Like for the most part, though, like they stayed largely healthy in those three cup runs, which you kind of, you kind of need that element of luck to get there, especially with how razor thin some of the margins were later on in those, those runs. Um, like I was trying to think of any, but I don't really think there was any sort of massive, uh, like a player who missed like two entire series or anything like that, that I can think of. It was all just like a gamer here and there. And then maybe guys that were hampered a little bit. Like if they lost any of the four defensemen in 15, when they were just playing Keith Seabrook, Oduya and uh, Jalmerson, like that was probably the end of that series. And like the Hawk at any point, the Hawks would have won home either like second, third or fourth round. Well, yeah, which was the one, I mean, Roosevelt, what his ankle exploded or something. <laughs> his, just that. his foot went backwards and his body didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Brutal. Ugh. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, the only, 
go, go, go for it, Mill. No, uh, go for it. I was just going to say the only this is the first year that I enjoyed watching the NBA finals more than the Stanley Cup finals in a long time. Even the NBA ones wasn't like oh yeah, there was, was no blowout. It, it was it was a it was yeah it was closer than the, the NHL one. I'll give you that. And that kind of shows you that like how how many te- games it takes a team to win isn't always like a indicator of how the series went. You know what I mean? Especially in hockey, yeah. if it's a one goal or overtime, you know? Yeah, well, you, I mean, you can get Carolina destroyed Florida. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, met, met, all the metrics, they wiped the floor with them, and then they, they lost every single game. Like, they got, that's, yeah. They got goalied. They got goalied. And then yeah. Bobrovsky turned to, to back to shit. Yeah, that, that horseshoe fell out of his ass that we were joking about earlier in the postseason. Uh, what a time. All right, well, um, also, uh, one more ahead. thing. On the Marion host of numb leg things, I think all of us had numb legs after sitting through that Detroit series. <laughs> I, 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 bar- I, I barely, I barely breathe, barely breathed. I don't know. I, it, it, that, that did, uh, that did a number on my cardiac health. I think that, that whole series. Oh. I'm surprised I didn't I, start smoking. <laughs> I should have. I don't know that I've ever thrown anything harder in my life than I threw this bottle of water when they called John Merson's goal back. <laughs> God, that was and that's ten years ago. I broke uh, a bar stool during that series, and I'm not like an aggressive person. <laughs> well, I don't know, Mill. Doesn't sound doesn't sound very. Should have just right should have been blasting cigs. That's weird. Yeah. Oh well, there's still time. Well, yeah, especially now because there's a – I don't know if you guys heard there's uh the Blackhawks got this number one pick and there's this kind of Bedard kid that's pretty good. Um, I guess he's coming to the Blackhawks now unless the Hawks accept one of these trades that keep floating around the internet. Um, oh some God. of them are – yeah, they're such they're such good offers. I'm sure, you, I'm, I'm sure the Blackhawks are going to trade this number one pick. You guys see the like Blackhawks Twitter did the spoiler text of it's only so many days till yeah. blank and everybody was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I I feel like they should stop like uh to just just like just don't even talk about the number one pick. We know the number nineteen pick is where all the intrigue is. Yeah, but they want that engagement. They want those. They want that money that comes with that. Which one are you gonna actually like? Who's gonna pull that? It's not gonna be the number nineteen pick, unless like Mitchkov drops or something. I, yeah, I, 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 I have no way. I have no counter for that. Just like, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I don't ha- really have incredible draft thoughts because I, I think Mill and I were talking about this last night at Dynamite that I don't like. I will watch plenty of like the juniors and some of college stuff if I know there's Blackhawks prospects involved. And even I will watch. It'll be very infrequently. I don't know the majority of these kids at all. Outside of the top five, because we wrote about them all year, because the Hawks were so shitty. Um, like beyond that, I don't know much about any of these kids. Does does anybody have like any thought? Uh, it's more about the number nineteen pick, and maybe they trade up into the teens. I know Betsy probably has thoughts because she's written about this all week. So, does anybody have any burning draft thoughts they want to get out into the other? Uh, and actually, I'm going to start. I'm going to ask Eric and Mill first. If either one of you have any draft takes you would like to get into the world. Uh, otherwise I'm just going to let Betsy talk and then we'll see where it goes. Yeah. I think Betsy will probably have a better answer. It's, it's just, it's so weird. Usually there's kind of a consensus 
and you can, you know, there's still some surprises or people zig or zag or whatever, Mm -hmm. but like it's, there's so many different combinations of, you will see somebody on one mock at 18 or 19, and then you'll see them at like seven or eight on another one. Like everybody in the middle is so jumbled up and there's not really, Will Smith separated himself and he's probably, you know, a lock for top fives. But after that, it's, there's so many different places that people could go. Have they even like, is, is Fantilli even locked in at number two? Or, or did like Carl, I thought Carlson was getting just enough, uh, enough of a push that maybe he might not, uh, that Fantilli may not be a lock at number two. I haven't seen anything. Everything I've seen is Anaheim. So okay. take him. Okay. Um, it would just, the, the only real debate or argument I've seen anywhere is just whether or not, if Mitchkov was available to come over right now, whether or not he would go second. And there, that seems to be, if he was available to come over right now, most people think he would go second. Mill, did you have any thoughts? You know, I think just from all the talk we've done about this, if you don't have a consensus best player available after, you know, the top few picks, just even not even address needs, just kind of use your scouting reports, see what guys have the skill set you think is going to fit into your system long term that you could develop. And you just got to kind of shoot your shot because it's kind of a crapshoot. <laughs> I'd say more than kind of like I after outside of the top 10, like I know the the chart that I think Betsy will probably reference at some point in the comments this week of uh, after like the top 10 or so. Uh, the percentage of landing like a star player is pretty significant, uh, pretty insignificant, and it doesn't really change beyond that. So, right. So either get lucky or just get somebody you think you can mold into something. Yeah, and and they're gonna have a lot of, they're gonna have a lot of swings at it. Like they got two in well, the first and four in the second. So, and I like, think they showed Vegas showed if you want to win, just sign and trade. Don't even worry <laughs> about drafting. Right. Because they they pretty much paid hard-earned cash for that team, and that's not an insult because they kicked ass, but look at their roster and how they won. So I guess we'll swing this over to Betsy now, who's become our draft expert because of everything this week. So congratulations on that. We'll add that to your introduction. But (laughs) I guess the main thing I would ask you, is is there any player that you think that the Hawks might be leaning towards or seems like it is a perfect match for what the Hawks are like their, uh, their, their type of prospect, I guess. Well, so the thing about the, the reason this is such a jumbled draft is because there are a lot of these kids have decent floors, like maybe more than some of these other drafts. They think these will be NHL players. The chart that you were referencing wasn't even about star players. It was literally how many players okay. in 200 games. Okay. Even, even, even a lower, a much lower floor than I initially thought. Yeah, it's not even because because you obviously you're more likely to hit star the higher up you are. Yeah. But you know, there's always those diamonds in the rough, those you know uh, astronauts that drop all the way into the late twenties or mid twenties. You know, um, all those Corey Crawfords or, in the second or round, Debrinkets that drop into the second or the sod. You know, like mm-hmm. um, so. There's like there's like a mix in it. What they do. Like these kids, they they all have like similar. There's like a whole group of like power forwardy kind of players, the Barlows, the Musty, the um, Woods, a little bit like that, the Danielson, you know, those types of players. 
um, Hamzik that are a little bit bigger that all can skate pretty well. Some of them have, they're not like necessarily the fastest, but they skate pretty well. Um, a lot, most of them are better shooters than they are playmakers. So like some of them are better playmakers, but most of them, those types of players feel like they would fit better with the current players that the Blackhawks have, like their top prospects, the Frank Nazers and the Reichels, mm-hmm. uh, and even Bedards, you know, because those are smaller, less physical, playmaking, finesse guys. And so you're thinking, okay, well, if everybody's jumbled and there's not like a really big difference between best player available, do you go for like, do you lean into that type of thing? Or do you go to these guys that seem to have, like, really high ceilings, but they could be bigger busts, like the Jaegers mm. or the Sales or the Cristal? Um, and his whole thing is, that kid, uh, Andrew Cristal, he has, like, beautiful hands. <laughs> like, he's got almost, like, Patrick Kane almost, like, hands and the way that he slows the game down and stuff like that. Obviously not as good, but his skating is crazy. And and that name I've uh, heard his name referenced several times for one important reason. And Betsy, I'm sure you you've written about it or mentioned it. He's best friends, childhood friends with Connor Bedard. Um, I'm actually kind of hoping that he will drop into the second round because people are scared of his skating, and the Blackhawks can pick him up as a like that type of draft pick where it's a lower risk. Um, but I don't know. And then. Then you lean into what about the defensemen? I think the reason that there's a big, uh, like, infl- like a widespread in some of these rankings is because there will be teams that are going to draft defensemen. You know, like somebody's going to want uh, Reina Bakker or Sandine, and I'm not going to, Palinka, Palinka, XL, uh, his first name is Axel. Um, he's a little Swedish guy. Um, okay. Or Willander. Those guys are probably going to go in the top 20, even though they're maybe not really like, like I think maybe at least one defenseman is going to go in the top 10. Then he probably really shouldn't be like, there are better forwards than those are defensemen, but they're going to get picked up by teams because teams need them. The, Blackhawks don't need defensemen, but there are a few of the defensemen that if they're sitting around 19, are they worth picking up? I think so. So like it's what it's, it'll be an interesting choice that the the Blackhawks need to make. Um, My favorite players are actually like the bigger guys, um, which is a big switch for me. Normally I'm normally like, Hey, I like that small playmaker. Um, But I'm a big fan of like Barlow and Wood. So this is where I have, I I think this is where I'm going to, because Mill was talking about this a little bit. So I'm going to swing this question over to Eric, because this is, I have, uh, when, when it comes like with all the different drafts and different sports, I feel like there's a different philosophy in each one. Like in the NFL, it's much more about drafting for need in the first, second, third rounds, because you can draft guys who will be on your team next season. I think in most of the other sports, it's more of a, long-term focus so you not necessarily want to draft for need i think it's more of a uh best player available type of thing with within reason like you're not going to draft 10 goalies or 10 centers but i don't do you have any thoughts on this eric in terms of uh like an overall draft philosophy about what type of position and versus drafting for need or drafting the best player available 
Well, it's, the overwhelming note I think that came out of the draft last year was that they got like speed. That's what they were mm-hmm. after. They were after speed guys, skill guys. Um, they went a little bit smaller. They didn't. So and it's hard because like Davidson, that was his first draft. That was his office's first draft. I think we all kind of, I don't, I don't know if Bowman ever really had like a prototypical guy he went after other than I guess anybody who played at Notre Dame. Um, but I mean, I, I definitely agree with you. There's a lot more projection involved. Um, but even like everybody said that they reached for Renzel, you know, at the end of the first last year, and he's like a big project and he's a year out, but mm-hmm. he was like a, a, you know, this bigger kid defenseman. And if he puts it all together, but the fact that that was their third first round pick, they felt comfortable kind of going over slot to take him higher than everybody else thought he would go. Um, so I think the philosophy almost changes pick to pick. At least that was, that was the impression last okay. year. And I know some people thought, Nazer should have gone ahead of Korchinski, but Korchinski, for whatever reason, seemed like their guy that they really liked, so they went and got him. And and Kevin Korchinski is the truth now, so so we're good. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, I don't have too many other burning draft things to talk about because um, I, I feel more with – especially with hockey drafts, I feel uh, <laughs> reactionary is the better way to be because – um, the, the odds of us, obviously, other than the number one pick, uh, most of these other players are going to draft. We're not going to know much of anything about, but I will be happy to tell you about them after the Hawks draft them. And we can actually look into what they've been doing and find some video and all that. So, uh, for those of you who are, uh, looking for more stuff after the draft, we will have some stuff for you in that regard. Uh, but until we know who these players are, um, I, I think we'll, uh, that would probably be about as much of a draft preview as we can give you because the NHL draft feels so much more crapshooty as I've heard one of you say. Um, so I believe uh, that was me. I like to use the go. word crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been, it's been very uh, fitting for this team for a while. Uh, I, yeah. so I, that's the other thing. Like I have to get, I like, I still have to shake the tanking mindset of the last year of like, no, like, like things aren't so terrible now. Like they're Connor Bernard's on his way. The team's going to be fun and good. Well, maybe not good, but at least interesting next season. Like I have to shake all the, all the cynical jaded things I got from watching last season's Blackhawks. There's like actual fun things to look forward to again. So I got, I gotta, I gotta let all the crap go, if you will. Yeah. Now they will be bad. Not on purpose. Yes. But, but just bad. They'll, but they'll be they'll be trying at least, and that's and that's nice. At least oh, they'll trying. be so much more enjoyable to watch. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, speaking of more enjoyable to watch, I don't know if you guys are ready to play on the Stanley Cup parade, but I think future Conn Smythe winner Joey Anderson was resigned to a one year contract today. Uh, everyone's really excited about that, right? Who? <laughs> <laughs> All right, there. We, that's the exact response I was looking for. Uh, he's a fourth lighter and he's going to be on the team for another season until they find a better option in 2024. Uh, sure. He's a nice guy though, right? Maybe. He, I don't maybe. think we know him well enough. Yeah, We're looking into true. it. Yeah. Well, we, we will report back. He's not uh, a long enough time guy. Yeah. Yeah. Reese Johnson had been around for two or three seasons before we decided he was a nice guy. So, mm. and only bet, bet you did that out of guilt. So <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I felt so bad. Yeah, um, so yeah, I mean, like, there's there's nothing about the the Joe Anderson resigning that's uh, worth more getting into than that. So, 
the only other big thing coming up this week before free agency hits, well, it sh- I should say next week. So the first round of the draft is Wednesday. Thursday's rounds two through seven. Friday is the deadline for qualifying offers for restricted free agents. And then Saturday, which is July 1st, is next Saturday is July 1st, the start of free agency. And the reason I bring those dates up is because the Hawks still have a handful of restricted free agents. And I believe the only report that's out there so far was Scott Powers wrote at The Athletic earlier on Wednesday, or maybe it was on Thursday, that the Hawks are not expected to offer a qual- give a qualifying offer to Anders Bjork, although they might re-sign him anyway, just they didn't want to pay him whatever the offer was. Uh, the, the two big names here to watch, I think, are Caleb Jones and Ian Mitchell. And I believe there were, uh, I think it was Elliot Friedman rumblings that Caleb Jones may not be back, or at least yep. isn't going to get a qualifying offer. Is that correct? Yeah. That's who it was on his podcast. Okay. So I was surprised as hell to even hear that because it felt like the, as long as Seth Jones is here, uh, Caleb was going to have a spot as long as they could force one for him. So I was intrigued by this a little bit. Yeah, I mean, no, 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 thanks. I know. I think all of our reaction was okay. <laughs> that's yeah. Fine. Like I've, I've, I, I, that's what I literally wrote that in my Seth Jones rap. <laughs> you do not have to resign him just because he is his brother. It's they didn't resign David Taves, did they? No, they just that that wouldn't. I was going to say they had a yeah. <laughs> Well, they they signed uh, they signed Tomas Kopetsky the same day they signed Marinoso because Kopetsky was Hosa's buddy. So well, that was like Jack Haley and Dennis Rodman. Like you yeah. had to. Also, I've never seen somebody get checked and their helmet fall off more times than Thomas Kopetsky. <laughs> and that that made me kind of like him for some weird reason. Okay. But I just I, – I think it was um, like it's another sign that the, the front office is – I feel like it was just a good sign that the front office is willing to do something that, you know, it, it may not be the nice thing to do. And because, you know, like I'm, I'm sure Seth Jones won't appreciate it if they don't bring his brother back. But in the, in the sake of winning, you know, sometimes you have to do things that may not be as pleasant. You have to make tough decisions as a general manager. So if, or, if there was anything good to take out of it, that's what I got. Go ahead, Betsy. I was going to say, or it was the nice thing because <laughs> the Blackhawks knew that he's not long term for the Blackhawks. You know, he's not in their plans and that they want to rotate the kids. So. He wasn't going to get the playing time. There you go. See, it's it's a win-win situation. I mean, there were there were like AHL moves. I know nobody really cares about the Ice Hogs, but there were some like eyebrow raised, like, why did you move Dylan Secura? You know, like mm-hmm. he's nothing to the Blackhawks, but he was important to the Ice Hogs, and they moved like three or four of them. It was literally because those players wanted to go to other teams and other organizations. They didn't want to be with the like you know they just wanted to go somewhere yeah. new. Yeah, it's like they traded uh, when they traded Evan Barrett during the season. Like they were kind of doing him a solid, just like this isn't going to work out here. You can go somewhere else. Yeah, so, yeah. They they did the same thing with uh, with Slavin too. Yes, yes, yeah. Where it's like you have an opportunity, you might be able to make this team. You're not making our team. Like go for it, give it a shot, which is awesome. Um, that's that's cool to do. It sounds crazy that, that you're ever saying you might not make the Blackhawks, which is not <laughs> currently a good team. Yes. Um, <laughs> but you might make this other bad team. Exactly. But there are different shades of bad. I think if they hadn't signed um, Pylon, 
Tenorti. Um, <laughs> maybe, I was like, who the hell's Pilot? I was, I was like, trying to remember. I was like, this guy? Like, what is his name? Um, <laughs> Tenorti. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to the Teflon Van Riemsdyk. <laughs> I love Teflon. Uh, so if Seth Jones wants to be mad about anything, like if he is even upset because this is like a business and they know this, they should be mad that that guy got signed over his brother. Yeah. Not that they're like vastly different in effectiveness. I assume they have a healthy understanding of how the business works considering their father was a professional athlete too. Yeah. So I'm sure, I'm sure they get it. They may not even like each other for all we know. Not, I know, <laughs> I know plenty of, plenty of brothers that don't exactly <laughs> hang out all the time. So, you know, Could maybe you? Seth, Seth Jones told him like, listen, man, Caleb's got to go. Like, and especially as, as much time as a professional athletes have to spend together. If you don't like him and you have to be around each other for like 60, 70, you have to f- travel together all the time. Like, yeah, yeah. I want to get my brother up and out of here too. I have a little brother. My parents used to make me take him all over the place. Sometimes I didn't want to. I have a twin. I have a twin. So I've had I've had had a shadow or he has been my shadow my entire life. So I don't think we would have been good as professional teammates. Might not have worked out very well. Meanwhile, my brother and I in our late age are still trying to figure out how to become a pro wrestling tag team. (laughs) Well, see, maybe you guys can get signed by the Blackhawks or by the If he sucks, there would be no room for him. So. Sorry, Caleb Jones. <laughs> which one's Caleb and which one's Seth? Well, uh, Steve's younger and taller, so. <laughs> ah, so you had a good run, Mill. Yeah, that's okay. I can retire on top. <laughs> so as uh, a non-media member. Mm-hmm, there we go. So I have <laughs> I have two other two other items on our agenda to get to. One of them's more lighthearted. The other one's probably not. So we're going to start with a more lighthearted one. Uh, I don't know if I put this in our Slack channel. I don't know how many of you were able to read it because it came out later this afternoon. It was this really lengthy article from Frank Saravelli detailing the Blackhawks front office, this new app that they're using. It's it's more about this overall new like mantra or philosophy, if you will. And they're calling it the method or they're just calling it Madhouse because real clever name, guys. But um. It's just it's it seems like it's just general operating philosophy that they're working with. And I guess it's a lot of it is influenced by assistant general manager Jeff Greenberg, who came over from the Cubs and worked under Theo Epstein. Oh, great. So, well, see, like that part of it sounds really good because Theo Epstein's like might be the best baseball executive ever. Like he ended the two executive period. Yeah. He might be. He ended the two long. Yes, but coming from from the Ricketts. Well, yeah, okay, but this also. This was, go ahead, it was, Eric. It's hilarious that it was ten years ago is when they built the system, and that's what they're referencing as the impetus for doing it now. They they did it ten years ago. That would right? be a very Blackhawks thing to do something that worked ten years ago. Yeah. So. Exactly. So did did any of the three of you have a chance to read through this? <coughs> I read yeah. it a yeah. little bit. But that's because the app part, I'm in that field. So I was like, what's this for? It's just internal stuff. I guess they didn't want, (laughs) it's funny. All I can think of is all the times that they've done behind the scenes during draft stuff. And whenever they like pan, occasionally you'll see people on the general manager's team with like cat friendly pulled up. (laughs) 
<laughs> if you're like, if yeah, I they're, see, they're using if public I, systems here. If I see one of them on natural stat trick one time, I'll be like, see, they're just reading the same shit we are. Yeah. So it'll be, it's, it's interesting that they want to put it into, they must have, they have to have an internal system already, but them being like, no, we're going to make it into an app. So it's on your phone. That's interesting. It's it really, as I was reading this, my, my main thought was, like if this works and they like end up winning championships down the road with this group, like it'll be like the top, it'll be like the headline in Forbes business magazine at some point in like 2030. And if it doesn't work and they, this whole thing falls apart, this is going to be roundly mocked more than anything else they've ever done. So I know I would assume just about every team has some type of internal version of yeah information sharing at this point whether or not it's an app who knows but i mean you know it's you still it's the people who are making the decisions and utilizing the information no matter how you're sharing it so that's what's more important anyways it's it sounds like they're coming they want like it's not just that it's in an app but they're coming up with their own um like better models kind of like what what we see public facing all the time or what like insat does and um, all these other models that come out it sounds like that they want to be able to like super quantify it so that if they pull it up in the app and they they can like look at it as a like a risk evaluation like a calculation um because greenberg talks about like (laughs) this thing about uh teams feel comfortable putting specific valuations on everything they do in a way that just doesn't exist in hockey like they do it in baseball that way um and that they they want to get to a place where the nhl is a little bit more like tightened up in that way which is i'm all for that because i think we all know that like i'm into stats um but it sounds like it'll be like a combination of stats plus like everybody like opinions and yeah. That, like that separated evaluation. So it won't just be like, let's plug in the numbers and go kind of thing. And I don't know how you do that in hockey. Yeah. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. like some of that because it's such a fluid game and like there's, you know, your defensive partner on the other side of the ice can make a mistake resulting in a goal. And you had, you didn't do anything wrong. Baseball is so much more like pitcher versus batter batter first, the ground ball that's coming at them. Like all these things are much, it's much less of a fluid thing. It's much more of like, a never ending series of like a, it's much easier to isolate the situation in baseball than it is in hockey to get data out of that situation. So that's, that's the part that's, I, I think that is the, the ongoing ever, ever changing battlefield in the hockey analytics world of trying to get data that will tell you what is actually happening without like, you know, that accurately telling you what is happening. Cause it's so hard to do that. Yeah, it's why it's why I'm always ref, like I like to reference Corey's work, you know, the all three zones because mm-hmm. that is human tracked information. And teams already do tons and tons and tons of video analysis. So you're already putting a human spin on data because it's all, you know, human intake. So you've already got some of that. And so I like this idea cuz Greenberg has a good quote in there that's like, you know, we're not trying to create a video game. Um yes. we're not you know, this is a really demanding sport played by human beings, and you need that constant feedback and communication. They want to focus on the base. You know, uh, start with the conversations. What do you value? What are you looking for? What does development look like? That kind of stuff. So, I'll go ahead and say that like Greenberg had a lot of good quotes in here, 
Um, mm. I think they pushed it in this weird AI direction that the Blackhawks weren't really looking to do. Yeah. Like it's, they kept going. I think the assumption is that people, when people say AI is in baseball, they're they're talking about like Chat GP, J, <laughs> Chat GTP, right? Versus that's not what they're really doing. Um, but I don't know. I, it's fascinating. It's an interesting like them talking about it in such depth because a lot of teams just don't do that. Yeah. It's an interesting concept. I'm just, I, I will be curious about uh, the reality of how well they're able to execute it. Cause uh, which I guess we'll find out in the next five, 10 years how all this goes. So. I mean, the Blackhawks were one of the first teams to admit to using analytics at like a deeper level in 2012 and 2013. Um, so. Well, I, I'm, I'll be interested. Uh, it's the, the stories at daily face off. Frank Saravelli read it. I encourage people uh, to go read. It. I don't think it's behind any sort of paywall or anything. So, so go, go have a look for yourself. See what you think. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure if the Hawks are successful, they will like, they will annoy you with how much they will talk about this because they will, they'll be so smart for doing it. But also, uh, I think we were talking about this before we came on the air, though. There, there's a lot of parts of it that read is very like corporate bullshit too. Of just like I think the word synergy came up a few times more than uh, anybody would like. So, yeah. so have fun with that. I think someone said circle back a few times in here too. They're talking about circling back with scouts after seeing somebody in person or whatever. So I'm like, yeah, this sounds like a corporate America uh, article. So. Yeah, I'm getting like trauma flashbacks. <laughs> yeah. <Don't> work. <laughs> yeah. So uh, speaking of corporate America, uh, I don't I don't know how that segue was going to work, but I've because this is uh, about an hour or two before we came on the air. I don't know what the cause was that Gary Bettman was speaking to Elliot Friedman, but he let us know that uh, the NHL is not going to have any sorts of specialty themed jerseys uh, before any games next season at all. They're banning everything. So pride night goes out or not pride night in particular, just the, the pregame pride jerseys go out the window as do like the hockey fights, cancer ones and the military appreciation ones and the St. Patrick's day ones. I think the Hawks this year had a during black history month, they had somebody, they had a, an artist design a Jersey and they wore that in the pregame skate. That's gone too. And I initially thought my initial thought when I saw this news was like, it felt like the inevitable conclusion out of all the stuff that happened with uh, the Stahl brothers and with the Hawks and with all the other teams that happened throughout the season. But then it's just like we the the result of all of this is like you can't even have a cancer themed uh, cancer themed hockey jerseys in a pregame skate now because of all the people who made such a fuss about pride jerseys. And that's so fucking obnoxious to me. It I, I would like to ta- I would like to tackle this right away by saying that next year is the last year of Adidas's contract. They're not renewing, and every time they switch manufacturers, they don't do third jerseys or specialty jerseys. Only well, winter classic, and those are being made right now. But but like the pregame warm up jerseys too. They will pro- yeah sometimes they'll probably come back. Now I'm not saying that's the reason. I'm just saying that is a side note. Okay that they are not renewing. It's going to fanatics after next year. And I don't believe any team is getting anything new. That's not being made right now. So Philadelphia's new ones have already been made. Uh, whatever the winter classics are. 
they had to order them already. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it. It probably is controversy stuff, but it is maybe Adidas saying, hey, like, we're not this, dealing with this. This supposedly came out of the NHL Board of Governors stuff. Okay. I, don't, I don't know if that. I mean, it might have played a part, but it really sounds like a bunch of old dudes were like, Oh no, we had it's some a, bad press. The to, reason, real quick question: Does anybody else do a full jersey for any of that stuff that they like warm up in? I mean, I not like the socks and shorts or anything, but like uh, plenty of teams have other themed not teams. Jerseys. Uh, I mean leagues. Oh, sports. Yeah. Um, well, the AHL does. Yeah. So do, so do juniors a lot. Um, uh, uh, non hockey. Oh, um, tra- I feel like the I'm NBA- just trying to think. I feel like the yeah. NBA. I feel like I've seen the NBA wear like themed pregame warmups before, like t-shirts, like the shirt, like the ones that look like t-shirts. Yeah, and like the the NFL has all their like uh, they in October. I think they do the Military Appreciation Month. I think it's October. But they don't change the uniform. No, November. no, they just they just get like camo wristbands and towels and stuff, like hats. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, the only reason I'm asking that is just because I feel like the NHL does a lot of different stuff that other leagues don't do, which is interesting. Um, but sorry, I didn't mean to cut us off. No, you're fine. I just it's um, it's just a I feel like it's a very corporate thing to be like. Well, this one thing caused a little bit of uh, this one thing caused a little bit of problem, and three people are upset about it. So now nobody gets anything. And and that just I just yeah I want to fall back on what I said a few months ago though about the I, I used to see the orders and the money for that stuff and I don't know maybe they're not selling as good now even the cancer and military ones because so it's just a business it's just a business decision it shouldn't it might be. be it shouldn't be about the money though it's yeah like, it should be about awareness and giving back and that was the whole the whole write off of it I'm sure they didn't even. Like, because they sold a bunch of this stuff to charity after the fact, like, or they would pretend, like, I don't know if they actually, but I'm sure that was a write-off anyway. So, mm-hmm. like. Oh, when, I know it's supposed to be about that stuff. I'm just saying. Um, I just know I, there were, there were plenty of people that were upset online, but then there were, like, people like, like, Alan Walsh, um, the the agent, he's a hockey agent, a former. Yeah, he's agent? he's like he's the one that tweeted that flurry with the the sword through his back. Yes, um, he's he's one of the more vocal, like on Twitter. He doesn't care. He's just gonna say what he wants to say. Um, but he called it gutless. He was like typical NHL going sixty miles per hour in reverse. I I agree with him. I absolutely agree with him. Um, I still, I'm curious. And I mean, I will never know. I'm still curious why the Blackhawks pulled an about face after Danny came out and was like, no, we're absolutely wearing them. And then whatever it was two weeks later, um, they said no. And then, and then, I mean, the article that I read about this too, I don't think it was Bettman directly, but the author, and this was up at the athletic, uh, pardon me for not remembering who wrote it, but they even pulled the same Russian anti-propaganda, you know, because of uh, gay relationships nonsense that the Blackhawks tried to kind of hide behind too. Which their um, own deputy commissioner said that's not the case. The and the athletic article actually came out first. Yeah. Um, and uh, what's Lazarus was a part of that because it was like a, it was a roundtable. I want to say. Well, well, I was talking about the one that just came out now, where oh. they were talking why 
Bettman came out of the board of governors meeting and said that there would be no more jerseys. And part of what they, whoever wrote it at the athletic part of what they were trying to put it on was the same thing, the same message of, you know, Russian players aren't comfortable wearing it because of the propaganda laws in Russia. Yeah. They, they said that last year too. Like, like that was, so the athletic had this like article, it was a round table and somebody started saying like they dropped all the Russian stuff. Um, and it was pre anybody, um, except for, I don't even think the Philadelphia dude had done Pro-Bro. it. Yet. Yeah. I'm blank. Um, or it was right after him and then nobody else had brought it up and a bunch of other teams with Russians had already done it. Cause Dallas had already done theirs and all that kind of stuff. And then several more teams did them and Russian players were fine. And then it came back up. Like it was used as an excuse by the Rangers. I can't remember, which is weird because the Rangers notoriously have the one Russian on their team Panarin. Who's very like, I want to spit in the eye of, like Russia and how terrible Putin is and all that other stuff. The one um, liberalish Russian. I don't I, know what to call I'm him. I'm sure he's not the only one, but oh, he's like he's, – He's the he's, most vocal. Like the one that yeah. actually came out and was like Putin is not – like he's a bad guy. Yeah, like a, a lot of the Russian players, I think the majority of them don't really say much of anything. And yeah. so um, – but yeah, like the – the fame nights will continue like they can still have pride nights and military nights, police nights, whatever night you want to have. It's just the pregame Jersey thing is not going to happen anymore. And it's just, uh, I, I, it's the same thought. I just, it's so it's, I don't understand how it's um, why people take such offense to it. And it's, I, I just, I don't get how this is the part that, that we got to this, this place as a sport and as a world that this was such a hot button thing. Um, and then, but I, I, it did feel like the jerseys became like, it was starting to take away from the message itself. Like it kind of, I mean, I don't know if I said this when we were talking about it two or three months ago, but it started to feel like, like initially when Colin Kaepernick had his protests and taking a knee during the anthem at NFL games after like, two to three weeks of that, it stopped becoming about the message he was trying to communicate. And it was more about like how many guys are going to kneel. Who's going to kneel. Are they going to get a penalty? Are they going to get fined? Are they going to get suspended? Like the message that was trying to be communicated by that protest was completely lost by the media hysteria around it. And I think the same thing was starting to happen here. I just, I, I feel like this is the easy way out for the NHL. And they always take the easy way out with shit like this. And it's just annoying that they do it yet again. Well, and I mean, it's telling, and that's what Mill, he was asking. He's like, what other league does this? No other league does this. The NHL has very few things that it seems like they do well, or they do better than the other major sports leagues. And this was one, especially because so much of hockey, especially in Canada is like, it's small communities that mm-hmm. rally around the teams. So the community aspect is such a big thing. I feel like to hockey and they just got rid of all of that because a couple guys had problems wearing a Jersey and, you know, people were complaining about it. it yeah. It, it feels like a, uh, just a really stupid nearsighted move. Uh, it's interesting though. Like, do you see leagues like the NFL and NBA will do more of like the African American stuff? Like, I, obviously, basketball takes place during Black History Month, so they'll do shirts for that the whole month and things like mm-hmm. that. There's not a large uh, African-Americans percentage of the NHL, whereas 
they take up more of the le- those leagues. Mm-hmm. So it's like the NHL is kind of like reaching out to all over the place, you know, LGBTQ plus and military, which is two totally different things. And then like, what was the other nights they had cancer, right? It was like a general cancer, not yeah, not yeah, that, yeah. Well, like I mean, obviously with Eddie Olchik and his very public uh, battle with cancer, like that was a very big thing for the Hawks, and I'm sure they're still gonna have, you know, they're gonna have that night. They won't have the jerseys, so they'll still do other stuff. But um, right, right. But I just mean like you look at baseball and what do they do? Father's Day, Mother's Day, like well, stuff they, like no, that. they. I mean, I thought they had they had they the, the White Sox had a Pride Night this week. I'm no, no, no sure. I know, but I mean, I'm just talking about uniform wise. Yeah, like they yeah. wear the hats; they're ugly yeah. as hell. But they do, they <laughs> yeah. do say that they benefit the different cancers, which is great. But they I look guess, horrendous. Yeah, like I guess it was like one thing that was kind of uniquely hockey that the all their guys would wear the the pride jerseys before a game, and again, now now they won't be. So, well, they even got more localized, and that they referenced that in the article that Vancouver they had special jerseys they did for Diwali this year. Mm-hmm. And Montreal had uh, special ones they did for Indigenous Peoples Day. And yeah, the Blackhawks did one for Black History Month this year. And like that's, I think that's just as important too that there's, you know, much kind of smaller, more localized causes or celebrations that are being lost in all this too. Yeah. And yeah, I, like, I, I wonder what will happen, like how the, the reception of these nights will be next season now because the Jersey thing goes away. Like they're still going to have them. I just um, I don't know. It, it would be interesting, and and maybe you know maybe we'll talk to some people, but um, it'll be interesting to see if that like the absence of the jerseys on the ice, if it's good, good, bad, or indifferent or whatever. Well, I'm hoping we'll see somebody do what the Thunderbirds did for Luke Prokop, and yeah. where the, the players are just like, no, we're just we're gonna use the tape, we're gonna you know have sweatpants and wristbands and towels, and we're gonna kind of just do our own version of the night ourselves. Yeah, and if you're a Blackhawks fan and you're listening to this conversation and you're you may not be liking it, I got really bad news for you about three guys who were on that team that night. So, and who I believe we uh, I all participated, if I remember correctly. I think we all, did. Ooh, yeah. So, so there you go. <laughs> what were you gonna say, Mel? Um. It's interesting because like, you brought up the Kaepernick thing. That was the one time in recent history the NFL started losing viewership, and that's why I think there was a big meltdown from people who were kind of ignoring why they were even doing it. Mm-hmm. It was about you know them losing viewership. That's also why a lot of people say that Patriots' comeback was fixed. Um, but we'll, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Um, but uh, I, you know, I feel like the regardless of what's right or wrong, the NF- the NHL is going to look at who, you know, who are they gaining and who are they losing and they're, what's benefiting yeah. them. No, they're, because they're gonna... it's a, it's a business at the end of the day and that doesn't make it right, but that's how they're going to do that. Yeah. You know? and, and, and I agree with you that they do that mill. And I fucking hate that that is where it is because everything in this world is a business decision. And I oh yeah. That. I'm not saying that I like yeah. it. I just yeah. mean, that's kind of what it is. Yeah. Yeah, and the fact that they announced that right after coming out of the Board of Governors meeting, that tells you everything you need to know. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. But, like, uh, I could, I just, you know, again, with the jerseys, like, when they first came out with those for the public to buy, it was cancer, I think, first, and then military. Well, and they, there was, uh, like, an autism awareness night, too, I believe. Or maybe but, that was but, in Rockford, but. But, yeah, but we would sell those, and, I mean, people were really into it. And then after each year, they kind of dropped off and dropped off. And I'm wondering, like, if they're just not making any money on it. That's 
Yeah. I, I, haven't also, even, I haven't even considered that part of it, but that, that could certainly factor in. And here's a huge slap in the face. You know how they used to, before the pink warm-up jerseys, or like, la- I guess it's lavender, right, for cancer? Mm-hmm. They would have the they would put the numbers on the white away jersey. Do you remember that for yeah. the warmups? Yeah, they used to auction those off. Well, then the Chinese counterfeiters were selling those. So it's like, who's <laughs> that benefiting? Yeah, okay. it becomes like this big like you know they should let people have ways to donate and give and benefit the cause and support awareness. Maybe spread information. You know, you use your guess- TV time. You use the handouts in the stadium. Here's here's but. the here's the concern I would express is now you you've let the you've let the jerseys go. What happened? Like people still complain about Pride Night every time they have it. Like what's next? You know, it's like at, at some at some point I'm not implying that the NHL is going to mm. cancel Pride Night across the league, but eventually it's like eventually you have to like just stop letting stop mm. letting this obnoxious minority who is definitely the minority, this loud obnoxious group of people be the ones that make all your decisions. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that they need to delegate more of their time to spreading information about why it's important to do instead of just saying, Hey, this is what it is. There's a lot of good reasons to do it. And they don't really like reflect that when you watch it or go to the game, they just go, Hey, it's pride night. You know what I mean? Mm. Well, I I think if you're at the game, I think they, I don't know if I've actually been to the pride night game specifically. But I've been to a bunch of the yeah. warm up ones and they're yeah. just kind of like, you know, they don't really say much. And it's like there are a lot of people that that can benefit in different ways. But if you're going to just like you said, don't let some loud asshole who doesn't know anything make your decisions too late. Well, <laughs> sorry, that's, that's why knowledge <laughs> is power. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that? I think we're good. Uh, I, I don't have anything else to say, at least. They need Anthony Bowens to market for them after <laughs> last night's. Oh, Anthony Bowens is great. He is great. Well, uh, I guess we can move on to our uh, less serious topics. And uh, I, I think that wraps up all the hockey talk we had. So let's move on to the uh, the reason why we've all gathered for real, because we are the best food-themed hockey podcast on the Internet. And I have a T-shirt that says as such. Uh, actually, I don't know if I've showed that to rest of you. Remind me later. I'll show you. But uh, one of our group here was just overseas and uh, I believe has tales from beyond to share with us or food thoughts to share. So, uh, Eric, uh, go right ahead. Well, I was just in Scotland for eight days. It is fantastic. If anybody's ever wanted to go, definitely go. Also, I I believe uh, Shay claims to be Scottish at heart. So, again, Shay, if you're listening to this, we're sorry. Uh, but you, this is this part's for you. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be happy to talk to you about Scotland or where to go in Scotland. But all the jokes, all the bad TV show and movie things that you've ever seen about like the food in the UK is absolutely true. Uh, it is very weird and <laughs> lots of it is terrible. Uh, we had some fantastic meals. We ate some fantastic food too. Um, and like their cafe culture for like quick breakfast and like coffee. They basically have espresso machines in everything, which for me is awesome. I love that. Um, but I had one of the worst meals I've had in a very, very long time. I had a couple great ones. Um, but yeah, like I, I guess the, the main thing, don't be, don't order bacon. You will. It took me like six days for my brain to adjust 
to not just assume it's the the good old crispy bacon we're used to getting in the U.S. of A. Um, don't get bacon on anything. What? And all right, I I need. Is it like? Is it not like? So it's it's pig? like like I I've, no, I don't know. It, How do you ruin bacon? <laughs> it's sliced. It's more like. Uh, would be like a ham or a Canadian bacon, but okay. a lot, a lot of the meat is not cooked the same way we're used to it being cooked or seasoned the way that we're used to it being seasoned, which You're I mean, too. yeah, it's thick and it's like I had, I had a steak one night and this was the, the meal that I was referencing. That was the worst meal I've had in a long time. I think it was boiled, honestly. Like oh I God. don't, I don't think it saw a grill if it did it was on the way to being boiled. It was, it was very, very bad, but, and, th- and that's kind of the, the vibe that I got from some of the breakfast stuff that I had and specifically the, the bacon. Do you want to know why it felt boiled? It's because I was probably I've, frozen. No, it's because they, they, most of their bacon, or at least a lot of bacon in the UK and Ireland and Scotland is wet cured. <laughs> So it's it's cured in uh, some type of liquid, and so it becomes like it's supposed to because it's so chewy and bigger. So yeah, it comes out feeling more moist and wet. And I know people. It, I didn't like. I've been to all of them. I spent the the least amount of time in Scotland, though. I've been to um, London twice, but when I backpacked in Europe, we hit the UK, Scotland, and um, Ireland on the, in the last week, we spent most of our time. I only spent two days in Scotland, but, um, their bacon quote unquote looks, I want to say they call it them rashers. Like, is that, they still, could they call it that there too? I can't remember, but they definitely called it. I, I, I know, I knew exactly what you were talking about when you mentioned bacon. I was like, Oh yeah. It, it's kind of like a weird in between and almost like deli meat ish. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. I just, yeah. I, I'm appalled by Like, I feel like there's a little, uh, an element of we like the way people talk about bacon mainly in America is, is unnecessary and over the top. Like it's, it's very, very good, but I feel like it's, it's become like so cliche. It's like almost a meme at this point, but at the same time, it is also a very good thing. And I'm just, I'm stunned that it could be ruined. Oh, well, they also don't smoke it. That's another thing. Most American uh, bacon is smoked before it's. So. Yeah, there was kind of an across the oh board lack of seasoning um, <laughs> well, to to a lot of things. I believe I, I like. believe that's most of the UK. That's not just the Scotland thing, from what I've heard. No, and then that's true. But then also, I mean, we went to a, a, a Spanish steakhouse in Glasgow that was outstanding. So they obviously have the spices. They're they there somewhere. To, they just they have to import them. them from the mainland is what they yeah. have to do. <laughs> I think it's just, it's technique. And a lot of it is, and it's the same thing when you travel the States and you have something, you know, we're very used to things being compared a certain way in Chicago. I'm sure there's some things if Betsy came up here, she would be like, no, thank you. And, you know, vice versa going down <laughs> to the South because you're just so used to having things be a certain, but like when I first moved to California, I remember we went to In-N-Out and my wife got cheese fries and they put a slice of cheese <laughs> on top of the fries what? and like put no. it. Yes. And then like slightly melted under, uh, you know, the griddle or the broiler for like 10 seconds. And it's, I'm just like, what is this monstrosity? And, but for people who grew up eating it that way, like that's cheese fries to them and they love it. So what there is definitely the some of that. Fuck is, uh, 
I I just <laughs> we could do a whole other night about California too because they they don't know what they're talking about with so much stuff. It took us a long time to find good places to eat out there, and they want to talk oh. about how good their Mexican food is. Their Mexican food is terrible, so they need to all be quiet. But no, there's lots there's lots of awesome stuff in Scotland. Um, just not anything with bacon in it. Okay. Good. Avoid the bacon. Got it. That's that's the food take from this episode. If you go to Scotland, avoid the bacon. Oh, if you're in the UK though, and you can do, we did um, Sunday roast is a big thing there. We went to a restaurant specifically that had a great Sunday roast, and that was like phenomenal. That was awesome. You got to your Yorkshire pudding with it too. Um, that was really good. Sticky toffee pudding. That was also really good. So I would highly recommend those things whilst you're in the UK. I was going to, I was going to say that, um, and I looked it up because I couldn't remember exactly. I just remember it was a potato soup and it had fish in it. Um, and it had a weird oh, name. Uh, Cullen sink. Yes. Cullen sink. sink. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Delicious. Looks weird, but delicious. But I also like potatoes. Um, mm. it's like one of their, it's like it's considered a comfort food there. And we went to, um, we were staying in an inn and the inn had like, their own kitchen restaurant area, but not like hotels in America have like, this felt very much like a homey like experience. And they were like, if you could have anything that they make, what would you give us? And that's what they gave us. Um, and it was great. And it was maybe the third best thing I had in that region. Um, the best thing I had when I was there was a UK and it was Indian food. <laughs> Indian food was delicious. Oh, Chinese food. The the two best meals that I had while I was in the UK, Ireland, and Scotland were not from that. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the one cool thing about being in in England and anywhere in Europe is that you are uh you have much closer access to so many other different cultures of food because it's they're all right there. You're you're going much it's much easier to get uh, the Italian food straight from Italy to England than it is straight from Italy all the way across the pond. So I also I also feel like in America, especially for cuisines that are like Asian um, and even Mexican to a degree, like like Spanish and Mexican and Latin American, they become Americanized mm-hmm. a little bit more than they do in places like if you go to an Indian restaurant in the UK, it's going to be a little bit closer to as if you were in India. It's not going to be the same. It's still going to be Britishized or how whatever you want to. <laughs> I believe colonized is the word. (laughs) Um, It just, it feels like, like we, we had, um, we had Chinese in Italy too. And it was very good in Milan actually. Um, But it, and it tasted pretty similar to what we had in the UK. I, the reason we had Chinese by the way, and pretty much everywhere we went was because one of the girls on our trip was trying to, like try Indian food, like Chinese food everywhere. Like it was on her bucket list um, of countries she went to because China was the first country she had ever been to outside of the U S another person on our trip was trying to drink Coke in every different country. Mm. So we had a bunch of people that were like, that's what we want to do. Drink. You said drink Coke, right? Not do Coke. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just making sure. Yeah. They were Uh. like, the Coke in Prague tastes completely different than the Coke in Italy. Yeah. Um, so Czech Republic versus Italy, which that makes sense. I mean, if you go to Mexico, the Coke there doesn't taste anything like. Oh, Mexican ours. Coke is yeah. the best. But no, I can say, yeah, it's to France. It's it's different in France. I had a little <laughs> bottle of Coke in France and it was much different. It was probably tiny too, right? Yep. 
Yeah, portions, American portions are definitely a thing. In yeah. Italy, when I ordered Coke at one of the restaurants, the guy, the waiter was like, oh, American champagne. And I was like, what? okay, why are you coming at me like this, bro? <laughs> I just uh, we want a soda right now. No, yeah, American champagne is Miller High Life. Well, and then and then he brought it out. And they don't do like ice. Yeah, uh, that's right. And I was like, okay, cool. Now it's warm soda. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Wait. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode because uh, I got to run and go pop out four times in a softball game. But I also, before we uh, depart here, I have a very large announcement. Uh, we're going to do a draft party next Wednesday. We have picked the tavern. It is Side Street Saloon. It's roughly, uh, it's basically Lakeview. I, I don't, there's, there, there might, that's the community. It might be in a specific neighborhood around there. And I know there's nothing Chicagoans love more than arguing about the boundaries of their neighborhood. So we're just going to call it Lakeview. It's roughly uh, George and Ashland a little bit uh, if, if you're familiar with the streets. So I'm going to be there. Uh, Eric is going to be there, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mill, we're working on it. Uh, work, uh, work schedules might be. Uh, might not be uh, congruent with this, but we'll see. Uh, unfortunately, Thanks to budget- the NHL for having this on a Wednesday, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, we have we don't have the budget to fly Betsy out, but maybe in the future we will. Um, so if you would like to watch the draft with us, Side Street Saloon, uh, it's at uh, 1456 West George Street. We're going to be there. Um, it's, a ca- it's a cash-only bar. I must stress that. Uh, it is a cash-only bar. They do have food. They have wonderful pizza. Eric and I were there a month ago. It's really good. The only place in Chicago where you can use cash. Yeah. No, there's – yeah, right? No, there's – I feel like there's still a hand – like uh, the G-Man's still a cash-only bar, I believe. So uh, – and and inside the Metro, the Heineken booth uh, to the left of the stage is uh, still uh, How could I forget? Yeah. So uh, if you, you want to come – You can use cards at G-Man. Oh, you can? I thought it was – Yeah, you can use cards All at right. G-Man. It's probably a $10 like limit or something. I, I stand corrected then. Um, but anyway – Side Street Saloon can confirm is still cash only, but we're going to be. There. Um, yeah, they're giving us they're giving us the back room. So yeah. if you come in and you don't know what any of us look like and you can't tell by the bunch of white dudes with beards, um, <laughs> we'll we'll all be in the back. I don't. Just, are we going to be cheering? I mean, we know what's going to happen. Like, will I, there be? Should I, we fake some excitement? I I uh, I will have a like uh, audio not, not the laugh track but the crowd cheer track and I will just play it when they draft Bedard. And I then like I'll play the, it again. Uh, I'll play it again when they trade up and draft Mishkov at like eleven or something. Hi, yes, I'm looking for a bunch of bearded whites <laughs> in Lakeview. In the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good fucking luck, dude. Uh, I'll just tell you. Just just look for the uh, maybe. Uh, maybe I should bust out the Eric Daze jersey because I'm sure I'll be the only idiot in, sh- uh, in the city wearing that that night. Eh, oh, there's I, always somebody in the 300 level with one. I'll f- I'll face paint 98 on Dave's face so yes. that you know who, so that you can tell who he is. Okay, there we go. Uh, but yeah, we we will be there, and there's it's it's not the largest bar in the world, so you'll be able to see us in the back room. It's pre- the the bar the servers or the bartenders are just point like uh, the idiots are back there. So and I think the. The first pick is going to be like six fifteen. Yeah, the dra- um, we should have mentioned the time. Thank you. The draft starts at six. We will, I will get there before then. Uh, but the draft itself like goes on TV at six o'clock, and then like they probably have the 10, 15 minutes of hype videos. Uh, Connor Bedard will cut a promo, and then they'll draft him. And then uh, we'll hang out there until 
It's a 2 a.m. bar, so that's that's when we'll get kicked out. I don't know if everyone's going to be there till 2 a.m., but if you'd like to come hang out with us, uh, we've never done this before. Uh, we have we put on a um, there's going to be an article up at the website on Friday, as you're probably listening to this. Um, I had a poll up at the website last week about trying to get a rough head count. I'm going to put the same poll into that post. So uh, nobody will double take the quiz. But if you if you're going to come out like if you we would appreciate if you would let us know, we're trying to give the bar a, a head, uh, a rough idea of a head count. Um, and if, if nobody shows up, we'll just be there with our friends and whatever family members we count into coming with us. So uh, but it'll be a good time. We promise. But uh, we'll come shake some hands and uh, uh, we'll, we'll see what we'll see what else we figure out. Uh, we've never done this before, so we have no idea what we're doing. But anybody who comes out, please know that we will deeply you will have our deepest gratitude for coming to hang out with us. And uh, also the Hawks are going to draft Connor Bedard. So that'll be pretty cool, too. That's the prize. Everybody will go home with is number 98 in a Blackhawk sweater. I can Amen. guarantee that. Well, <laughs> on that note, uh, thank you very much for listening to this episode. Thanks to everyone who's signed up at the website. Just thanks to everyone who's keeping this place going. Uh, it's it's been it's been wonderful the last two or three months since we went independent that we still exist and are are going to have things to do. So uh, we appreciate everyone who listens or subscribes or or sends us hate tweets. Whatever you do, we appreciate it. Well, maybe not the hate tweet part. But anyway, uh, I'm on Twitter at DML57. Mill is at Mill182. Eric's not on Twitter. Neither is Betsy, but they're both at secondcityhockey.com where you can find all of our stuff. Uh, we got plenty more content coming your way ahead of the draft, during the draft, after the draft, during trades and free agency. And our plan for the podcast is we will have an episode probably in the first week of July wrapping up all of the draft and free agency and all that stuff. So uh, keep your ears and eyes out for that. And uh, we'll talk to you then.